Happy New Year, boys. Happy New Year. 2020 version 2. Something yeah. Like 2022, yeah. It's basically 2021 part 2. But we're back. Aren't we, Ryan? We're back. Hi, good evening, and welcome to the Wireless Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dodds. Today, we will talk about when you own tools, events, and probably some other random crap that no one cares about. This evening, I'm joined by my guests, Mr. Roberts, and crying into his crypto, Mr. Alan. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> These intros. stop it now. These intros get better every time we rehearse, don't we? Clearly. <laughs> you are. <clears throat> we clearly rehearse these uh, intros, don't we? Where's oh, Dan? Yeah. Anyway, that's, well, that, you, you've had to stand in because Dan's clearly not turned up to open up the pub. Well, he's just getting a bit lax these days. Um, yeah. I question his commitment to the pub. I'll take he's, him eating seriously. And, he's eating mac and cheese. Is he? For about half an hour <laughs> now, yeah. Mac and I cheese. I thought it was Mac it and Matt. Is he eating Mac and Matt? <laughs> Probably love that I one. I think of anything worse than eating that. I, I don't like it either. It's just like vomit. How do you know? You say what? <laughs> vomit. How do you know what they taste like? <laughs> oh. oh, we haven't changed, have we? No, I don't want to get in. I don't want to get in bad books. We, we've been away for a while and uh, yeah, we're what? back. What you been up to, lads? Uh, let's, you know, let's ask. Alan, how's the door queue? Is it, is it all right? <laughs> nice and, but, but it's freezing out there now. <laughs> don't know. I'm not on the door. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> on the rock and roll. <laughs> I've never, ever been on the door. I've never signed on as we as we it's see. Right, mate. DWP isn't listening to this. Who's DWP? Department of Work Department and Pensions. Department of Work and Pensions. You're not listening well, I, was, to I was thinking, is that Ian Duncan Smith? <laughs> <laughs> IDS. I know that's what I was thinking. It's his name DWP. That was his initials. I'm like, hang on. But other than that, all good. What about you boys? Yeah, not bad. Good I... Christmas, spending some time with the family. I had the longest time off I think I've ever had over Christmas this year, last year, this year, that last year. I didn't come back until this week. I'm surprised you could tell the difference between your work and not working. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's jealousy if I've ever seen it. Not Is jealous it? at all. I, I did too. I had uh, nearly four weeks off, which were nice. It's nice. Nice. Four weeks. Yeah. What did you do in four weeks then? I mean, you were you bored or did you kind of manage to study? And, uh, study. <laughs> what? Don't you uh, study? No. Don't you nerd study when you're off? I, I had one I, I week. Didn't really, I didn't really have a choice. I had to. Uh, I had one week while the kids... Okay, go on. No, go on. Ryan Ryan can take my thunder. (laughs) No, no, go on, mate. Go on, Christian. Uh, I I had one week where the kids were at school and the wife was still working, so I I started studying. I can't remember much of it whatsoever. No? Um, No, I tried learning Python, and I've tried learning Python about 4,000 times now. Um, (laughs) Honestly, you could probably write a book about the amount of times I've tried learning Python, and I get to a point where I can do something basic, and then I just forget it. Instantly disappears out of my head, so I don't know. I'm going to crack that if I need to. That's because you're not interested in it. Well, I'm interested in the. I'm interested in the idea of it. I I think I want to like jump from 
being shipped to like an amazing coder overnight. And I can't be asked learning. We've got time for that. So put, yeah, you don't want to put the effort in. You mean? Yeah, I mean, so one of one of the things I asked for for Christmas for a Kindle, and I thought I'm going to read some technical content on my Kindle, and you know, how much maybe. have you read? Well, I've started reading Life on Earth by David Attenborough instead. <laughs> 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 so nothing. Uh, I bought a CCNA book. Um, I, I did not pass that yet. Oh, I, I touched it since I did that course. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to the first page and it was like the topology icons and stuff like that. I thought absolutely fucking not not doing it for myself. So I'm I'm going to book CCNA at some point and just chance it. I think that's what I did with the CWNA and CWDP classes. Really, have you got goals nice. then for this year? You two? Um, I have. No. What are they then? What's your number one goal for this year? That's Wi-Fi technical related. Uh. So I want to get back on CWMP track because uh, I uh, haven't done anything since I passed CWNA. Um, so my plan is to do DP and AP this year, potentially. Do DP? Eh? Dirty gate. He always, he always has to go that bit further down, doesn't he? Anyway, so it's those two. Plus, um, I'm currently studying for my NSE 7 exam, which what? I need to pass. My fault in NSE 7. NSE 7? Yeah. What is, what's that even mean? It's NSE, but version 7. Number 7. Oh, okay. So it's kind of Fortinet speak. Yeah. Okay, so you have to be at Fortinet to understand that jargon. Not really. It stands for, is it like... Network security expert. And it's the seventh level out of eight. How many so can, be a, an, can you be an NAC one and still be an expert? If you if you want to be an expert at level one, mate, you 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 do that. Okay, but it's not a version though. It's just a version of the actual exam or no, it's not a version. Sorry, I said that wrong. It's just the level. It's like swimming badges. You know, level three swimmer. So level one, like what Christian's got is the Frosty's badge, you know, your 10 metres Frosty's badge. But why would you be an expert at level one? It looks good on your towel when you sell the badge. <laughs> I've, I've managed to swim 10 metres. I can't swim. <laughs> Next week, it will be our tread water for 10 minutes and didn't drown. I get a gold badge. So on to be trunks. I, I ducked my head under. <laughs> and actually, to be fair, just like Christian, uh, I've started to learn a bit of Python. Uh, I got well, a Udemy Give us your best Python. <laughs> <laughs> That's very clever. I like that. Very witty, Ryan. <laughs> I've been waiting for ages for someone to say something like that. Oh, fucking hell. God help us. Right, repeat. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I, think so was, um, I don't know if you saw, um, but you know what the Americans are like. They're always kicking off about something. I don't know if you saw, and uh, I know it's, uh, I'll put fuel on the fire as always. Uh, <laughs> the debate about um, engineers buying their own tools. So I think uh, Mr. McSneil, what? Bring your own beer first. I'll bring you your own beer. To, I need to talk about uh, what we're having to drink, man. That's I'm how, we, that's how the format flows. Well, what yeah. are you having to drink? Um, well, I'm glad you asked, actually, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I'm actually drinking. Um, a Goose Island mid, Midway Session IPA. 
It's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. Your vile drink. Right. And it was given to me by a neighbor. And I think. I'm not surprised. I, like I now know why you gave it to me. It's a kind of thank you for something I helped him with. But I, it was clearly a surplus box of crap that he didn't want to drink. So I decided to give it to me because he knows I'll drink anything. Funnily enough, Alan, I left a box of that at my neighbor's. So I reckon it's just slowly being passed around the country. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been on a journey. If I scan yeah. the barcode, don't tell me exactly, where it's been in the last six weeks. Surprised you haven't put a second class stamp on a Christian and sent it somewhere. Uh, it's return, return to sender. <laughs> Christian, what are you drinking? Um, well, for Christmas this year, my wife um, was very thoughtful and bought me a box of 12 beers of Christmas, um, which uh, was by the beer company, and there's 12 beers in it, a few pairs of socks. Um, did you get five IPAs? No, 12. Oh, 12 I But, but oh my God. <laughs> Ryan got it. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, get, you yeah. what, I'll you're just, you know, we're just wasting it. We're just we wasting are, it. We? I mean, we need to start our own podcast of like <laughs> comedy gold and, and whatnot and invite people in like Christian. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Go on. Right. Yeah, so I've got a nice glass, got beer mats, some spicy nuts, which uh, weren't that spicy, but nice anyway. Um, and they come with loads of different types of... on the mitt. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not good. It hurts. Oh, I've got a funny story about that, but I'll... I'll we'll we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> uh, it came with like Camden Hells, you know, um, Tiny Rebel, that kind of stuff. That Camden, Hells, that Camden Hells is awful. Yeah, it's all right. One called Saturday, oh, yeah. which I drank, I drank that on a Friday. Did you say proper pill. piss? Because it's, it's a pills now. Yeah, that's why Pilsners are not really. I mean, they're very popular, but they're not my, not my fancy. Popular with the popular with the people that don't wear socks and have rips in their jeans and that, and, the, mm. and wear Eka Well, the, the the box came with a pair of socks, so sure. two pairs of socks actually. So anyway, um, it's kind of irrelevant because I drank them all. Um, so I went to the corp about an hour before we started. I got some vocation and some Brewdog. Oh, what what vocation did you get? Uh, I've got Heart and Soul and Life and Death. Oh, I like I like uh, I like the uh, pride and joy. Yeah, and, didn't have uh, any the, pride and joy. And the divide and conquer. Brewdog, not heart and soul. You see the message that I sent you that my shares in Brewdog have finally paid out. What'd you get? You got a sticker or something, didn't you? I got a badge. <laughs> is that only is that only towel as well? We are. <laughs> <it probably>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so do you wear that when you walk into a Brewdog pub, dear? Got a badge. I threw it in the fucking bin. Yeah, because I thought you went anyway. <laughs> Stick on uh, eBay, you could have sold it. Oh, I am got your sure. money back for the shares you paid. <laughs> I doubt that. I highly doubt that. <laughs> oh, mate, there's a brew dog opening actually near, near me. Did you know that? No, I'll you want me, him, do you want me membership there. number, mate? You can just, you can just go in. You, get, <laughs> you got I, sent out. <laughs> I, got, I got sent out the last one I went to. Did you? Well, you don't remember? No, when we were in London. I don't remember London. He tried, he tried getting in. He went, sorry, mate, we're closed. <laughs> oh, I started arguing with him, telling him I was a shareholder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was that, was that the, um, so that obviously that was Wi-Fi Design Day. That was November last year. And that was when we went on the air. I kept calling them tuk-tuks, but they're not called tuk-tuks, <laughs> are they? What are they called? Rickshaws. 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 That's, yeah, yeah. The, so the pink the... one with all the flashing lights on. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was, that was awesome. Um, because I remember going on one of them just to go to a cash point. Don't know why I needed no, cash. No, you didn't you? just go on one to get on a cash point. What he did is he dropped us off at a very questionable place. And then you said, 
can I pay on my card? And he went, no, but I'll take you to the cash point. Then he pedaled off and left us while he took you to the cash point. You came back about 25 minutes later. 25 minutes later, I came back. Yeah. Just to go to the cash point. Yeah. But he didn't charge me for that ride. Yeah, he did. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. I didn't pay him. Yeah, you did. Did I? I don't yeah. remember this. Was I really drunk? Yeah. Why did I need cash for? Because he didn't take cards. No, but why did I need cards? You had to pay for the rickshaw. Oh, okay. Now I understand. Okay, moving on. Ryan, what are you drinking? <laughs> well, I, I do have a drink, but I left it on the ladders, so I need to go over and get it. Uh, I've got a bottle of Stella because, you know, I'm just basic like that. Just, just looking around your room now, Ryan, I, I don't think you're in the loft. I think you're in like a Harry Potter under the stairs type job. Because if you look at the, the grain at the ceiling there, that's definitely stairs. Stairs? <laughs> what? Not there. That's the steel girders that hold the roof up. All oh, right. Okay. And the, and the roof obviously slopes down. And those there with the boxes, that's like the eaves. I've got, I've got an IKEA lock table there. Is that a rack? It is, so uh, show you. This is good podcasting. This is yeah. nice. Sharing. Nobody, nobody else can see this, just you. Uh, Ryan, you've got no pants on. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. <laughs> right. So, Dan anyway, is still as I was As I was his... mentioned. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to talk about me. He hasn't bothered to turn up. You know, he, he's, he's dead to me. Anyway, um... As I mentioned before, Mr. McSneil um, put on Twitter saying he was surprised at how many people who worked for a company that had to justify work-related expenses under $250. Um, and that kind of blew up a discussion of which Alan intensified, shall we say. I did? Uh, yeah, Um and it set off a whole discussion between people who said, some people said that all engineers should have to pay for their own software, hardware, and training out of their own pocket. And some people said, no, that's not correct. So what are we seeing? What's your opinion, Ryan? Me? Um, there's two sides to this. So uh, Keith pointed out that he has gone from a traditional employee model where he pays people a salary and provides all of their equipment to a contract style model. So uh, he just pays people to come and do a job for him. He expects them to have the tools. Um, but then people from the other side of the pond who are employed by someone were stating that they paid for their own tools and their own training out of their own pockets. Um, which doesn't board well with me, to be honest. Um, uh, my training and my equipment has always been funded by my employer. Uh, there are some things that I bought on my own, um, but nothing to do with Wi-Fi. Well, actually, I bought a WLAN Pi on my own um, just because I wanted to mess about with that, to be honest. Did you stick, it, stick the- an extra hour of overtime in there? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, 
And but the Echo House sidekick, iPad, everything like that, it's all funded by the company. When I leave, that'll just get handed back to them. Um, you know, those those are high value items. I shouldn't be expected to pay for those. You wouldn't. It's, you wouldn't dream of it, would you? No, absolutely not. Like if I, like, I'll be honest. Like if I said turn around and said the missus, oh yeah, I'm just going to take two and a half grand out of the joint account. Um, what, what for? Oh, I'm just buying this Echo House sidekick for work. Like that doesn't. It's not right. And the counter argument from across the pond is, well, it makes you more desirable and it's better for you, for your own development. I highly doubt that because in my opinion, if I was going to develop on my own, I wouldn't have any money because I've just spent two and a half grand on a fucking sidekick. But the argument then is that you own the tool, you maintain that tool and you're able to do it well two things one is to go and excel at your job for using that tool and secondly earn you know potentially more money because you're getting more exposure more experience on the job because you've got the right tools now not really because if 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 my so I'm, i'm lucky right i have a really good employer who pays for everything i need all my work stuff um but if somebody if i'm expected to do a job um I'll give you an example of a previous employer. Um, it took a bit of con- persuading for them to buy decent kit, but they bought it in the end. Um, and, you know, it didn't make me any more desirable. Yes, I went out and did more work with the sidekick, but it didn't mean that that work wouldn't have stopped because I would have just had to use air magnet like I would have had before I bought that. The jobs would never have stopped the exposure on site would never have stopped. So there's no additional value. The sidekick and having Hegger Howe made my life easier at work and the output for the business was better because of the quality of the data and things that I could provide and you know all the ex- nice shiny reports you can do, all that sort of stuff. But it didn't make me a better engineer. I think so. Where's the, where's the value there? There, there isn't any. I think the context needs to be explained. I think um, my opinion on this is that uh, I'm with you. I think depending on your employment circumstances, and I think in the UK, it's going to be a different approach and mindset to probably what it's like in the US, because in the US, it seems to be the kind of normal practice that if we categorize engineers, mechanics, and basically tradesmen is the term we'll use, right? It seems to be accepted that in the US, potentially, that if you want to, um, I guess, succeed and progress uh, in your employment, then you would be seen to purchase your own tools for whatever reason. And they can, they can give examples such as mechanics by their own socket sets. Yeah, the Snap-on model. The what model? Snap-on. So Snap-on make the money, isn't it? They, they sell it to... Garrett, uh, car technicians and stuff like that directly instead of selling it to the garage. Yeah, it's not an American thing. That happens in the UK. I mean, I've got a couple it, of it, pals it does, who are yeah. mechanics and they buy all their own tools, but they, they 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 take them and go wherever they want. I think that's like if you if you were a joiner who worked for a business, uh, that that business would provide you the tools. Unless you were working for that business on a self-employed basis, in which you'd have to provide your own van and tools. So, so we need to clarify the employment status here first and foremost, because there are a few now yeah. in the UK. I guess you could think of as three three employment status. One is employed, 
we call it PayYE. This is where you're working for someone who pays you your salary and you're taxed and um, you're uh, owned by that company, right? Then you have, I guess, the contractor who is his own limited company or even a sole trader who is, I guess, a gun for hire, so to speak. And normally, typically, an agreed day rate, right? Yeah. And then you've got someone who's completely self-employed, who is their own business, who makes their own decisions to what work they, they take on. Um, so you could probably go with the easy one, which is a self-employed person you would expect has their own tools. Simple as that, right? Done. No argument there. Yeah, because if you're if you're contracting a job out, so let's say Chris, you need a, uh, some Wi-Fi consultancy done. He's not going to then say, uh, say to someone, oh, I'm going to give you, I don't know, £400 a day for you to come in and fix these problems for me. Um, but I'm going to provide you a laptop and all of the tools in which you need well, to that, do that. That's the other thing. If, if you're a contractor and your employer is telling you what tools you have to use, then that's a completely different employment model by law. You know, it's like if they tell you what hours to work and stuff like that. And that's when what's it bloody called you know the umbrella companies and stuff like that come in if you know you're working for a bank and the bank say right you're a contractor i'm going to hire you for three days but you use the tools we dictate that's different it employment is wise. what i meant was if you no, were, no, i get it yeah i'm not disagreeing no, let, let's say uh let's let's give an example so christian's christian's company uh company a hires al's company al's consultant limited to come in and do some wi-fi work Right. So they've said, right, we need you to come in and fix some Wi-Fi problems for us. And Al says, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. And it's going to cost you six fifty a day. Right. So he comes in and he fixes the problems. He's got his own tools. So he does that. No problem at all. Right. And they've benefited because they've not had to pay, like, they've not had to train anybody. They've not had to pay anybody any extra uh, for, for tools and stuff like that. They've literally got that for one flat rate that what Al has said the other scenario is that you've got uh you need a contractor to come in to fill a, a gap in the team some what's wi-fi knowledge let's say so christian's hiring someone because someone's left he needs a wi-fi guy to come in uh, and he says right okay um this is going to be your day rate um you're going to be our wi-fi consultant for the next six months uh, you're going to get i don't know 300 pound a day and these are the tools you're going to have you're going to have this hp laptop you're going to have this software and that's what you're going to use that's the difference yeah but you've not explained any difference there though right because you I have because oh, no, it's, it's alan it's alan as a service or a body alan as an employee chair. yeah but you've, you've given one which is he provides the tools and you've given me another example where he's given the tools no, there's two, there's two different options. And this is this is both a gunfire. This is the contractor. I want, I want to talk about the fact that I think the term that the argument is over in the US is that regardless of your employment status, the expectation is that you have your own set of tools, which means that you've got that versatility. That means you can move from one job to the next and that you could actually use your own tools to better yourself and deliver for your employer. That's the crux of the argument that's been put out, how I interpret it in Twitter. My retaliation was basically to say that it's bullshit because if you work for an employer and you're paid by that employer, they have to provide you with all the tools under the sun. So we're not talking about contract status. We're talking about an employee, right? So if you're, yeah. in, you're like, you, you guys are employed, correct? Yeah. You're not contractors. You're not consultants. You're employed. Mm -hmm. Okay. My scenario is I'm, I'm contracting 
or I'm a contractor or I'm self-employed. So I'm a gun for hire. I would expect you to, to have your tools provided for you, period. Yeah. I would yeah. not expect you to go out there and outlay on anything from say a sidekick to Echo House software to a survey kit to yeah. whatever it is, even to the point of say purchasing Wi-Fi Explorer Pro for a hundred dollars. I would still expect that to be expensed for you because at the end of the day, you're going to be for the benefit of the employer who's going to allow you to use certain tools and certain skill sets to further en enhance their reputation, their deliverables and so on and so forth. Right. So for me, it's a no brainer that no employed person should be told to put the hand in their pocket. End of story. And now I don't know what the situation is like in the US. And I, and I guess it comes back to the point of, well, how much is that particular tool? When we're dealing with contractors, that becomes a gray area because I've been there where I've been offered jobs where I've been told I need to provide the tools. And then I've said, sure. And then they told me for this rate and I've gone, no, I'm not doing it for that rate. If you want me to provide, you know, five to 10,000 pounds worth of tools on top of that, this is the rate in which you have to pay me. And there becomes a problem because they, they just want to see you as saying that I want to buy it, I want to basically uh, hire your skill set a, and I want to hire your tool set. There's not, there's two this different is, entities there. And this but it's all about IR35, isn't it? That's, that's no, no, no. I don't think we need to go down that route if, before and discuss no, but, that to compare the argument between what they're saying and what we're saying because IR35 is just a legislation. But right? no, let me, let me just finish that. Right. If an employee hires a contractor and says, you use your own target, you, you bring your own tools, you do whatever you want, you know, you contracted to provide a service, that's it. That is completely different to... A contractor showing up and the company saying you have to use our tools or we will tell you what tools you have to use that falls instead of ir35 and that but they would provide those tools different. though right they, they would do yeah and but that's a different that's like freelancer versus contractor it's a service versus a body on a seat that's right that's the difference we're talking about here isn't it yeah it, it to an extent because i think there's a kind of gray area with, with the kind of self-employed strike contractor who is hired to provide a service based upon their skill set and tool set right and that's one favorable rate and there's also the contractor who might be deemed as a disguised employee or hired to replace and be kind of considered as a short-term yet stroke quote permanent member of staff unquote kind of thing right those are the kind of i guess expectations where that contractor although is on a higher rate of pay but it's just short term would be considered employee therefore still given the tools now i would argue still that if I'm employed by someone, even as a contractor, that if they turn around and say to me that they want a specific tool, they then have to pay the going rate if they expect me to provide that tool. Um, so if I have to, if I've got Echo and they want me to use Air Magnet and I have to go and procure Air Magnet, it's going to cost me thousands. I probably wouldn't take that job on for less than 12 months, knowing full well that I probably wouldn't get my return on investment back potentially based upon what the contract rate is. And this is what it boils down to, I think, is return on investment for that particular purchase. When we're dealing with Wi-Fi tools that are in the thousands, such as Echo Air Magnet, I don't think it's acceptable personally for tradesmen to be considered employees or even contractors to outlay that type of money and then be expected to go and get that return on investment back relatively quickly, because then it puts you in a very, very difficult position because you have to then charge extra more than probably what you would normally, because you have to try and recoup that return on investment. Now in the States, I've had this conversation many times with Key Parsons and, and I argue with him to say, it's not as cut dry as it might be for you because 
your opinion, your approach and what you've done throughout your career and it's in a different environment, it's completely different to the way we might do it in the UK. I argued the fact that if I'm hired as a contractor, for example, I expected them to provide me with the tools unless they made it specifically clear that I had to provide them. And if so, the rate I would negotiate to would be incorporating the cost of me to purchase that tool and its maintenance and upkeep. And then I would determine, is that worth my while based upon the length of contract that I've been signed up for? And also the caveat would be that I could be at any time given notice to say, thanks, but we no longer need you. We've decided to go with someone else or you're out the door because you're a short-term gun for hire. There's that extra risk. But then I have to then start up my rate to get my money back for the investment that I've made. Now, long-term, it's good to have your own set of tools. I completely agree with that ethos. I'm just saying that it's wrong to assume that tradesmen have to, by default, own those tools, regardless of their employment status. I, I think it's absolute bullshit, personally. And, and that's my opinion on that. Do, do you think that maybe we're seeing a, a bit of a bias towards the kind of people we interact with, with wireless? Because they're all consultants and they all, they're all self-employed and stuff like that. You know, well, they're not, though, not, are they? Because a lot you, of the people just, who were on the discussion are, I know for a fine fact, are employed um, on permanent contracts with other companies uh, and are they saying they buy their own tools because i can't imagine someone who works yeah so one of the people who i'd seen said that they agreed with the model and they actually put i think it's something like five thousand dollars a year away that they pay for themselves which i i disagree with massively so you've got the argument for because certs and training are as much as a tool as anything else, because that's your knowledge, right? And people would argue, well, if you want to be a better engineer and you want to be good, then you have to go out there on your own and pay for your own training. Well, I disagree because it benefits both parties here. As a paid-for employee, if you are trained to the best possible standard and you... Uh, you, you, you're good at what you do and you're happy. You stay there at that biz, at that company, right? Now, I've left companies before because they won't pay for any training. They, they expected me to do it for free. And unfortunately, um, you know, I didn't get paid enough to, to shell out, what, two, three thousand pound a course plus the exam cost. So you're looking at three and a half thousand pound. I didn't have enough money to do that. So I, I left and I went to another company that was willing to pay for my certifications, to pay for my training, to, for me to become a better engineer, because ultimately they benefit from it. It, it benefits everybody that way. Is that where you're working now? No. That's well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, I've had a couple of companies where they wouldn't pay for training um, and development and that's what some of the reasons why I've left. The company I work for now couldn't couldn't give me enough training, couldn't give me enough qualifications. Like they they want me to be the best that I want to be. Yeah, and that's that's the funny. I mean, I've got no problems with paying for my own training if it's not related to my role. So you know, for example, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not talking like, about yeah. like if you but if you're it, a Wi-Fi engineer but you want to take a coffee barista course. Like if you if you want to go out and do that, that's outside of your job role, then that's fair enough. Like I've heard stories where people, you know, are just general routing and switching engineers, yeah, but they yeah. want to start specialising in I don't know, uh, Wi-Fi voice. or voice, yeah. yeah. Whoever wants to do that, like a pass. 
uh, whoever wants to do that. But the company have said, well, actually, because it's not part of your job role, we won't fund that because that's like development outside of your role. I, I kind of understand that to a certain yeah. extent. But even still, where I work, uh, if I put in you know a monthly contribution to training for things that are unrelated to my role, they'll subsidise the training for me. So you know, I, I could take uh, you know a coffee barista course. I'd fund it myself out of a training pot that I've been putting into, but I get it subsidised. No, that's, so. that's that's pretty cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guess that's that's the difference. So someone in the states who is fully employed in a company doing a Wi-Fi role puts $5,000 a year away for their own Wi-Fi training. I don't get that. And that seems to be the accepted norm. And I just wonder, is this a, is this a, a culture thing? Because Americans pay for a lot of shit that I think they shouldn't have to, like healthcare and stuff like that, but I'm not going to get... Communist. <laughs> like... I, I don't, you know, they, they pay for literally everything out of their own pocket. Um, and, and do you think something's, something's to do with sort of the stability of employment you get over here compared to in the States? So, you know, if you're a permanent employee in the UK for two years, you're basically unsackable. You know, you've got to... Uh, you've got to murder someone. Pretty, pretty, oh, yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. And even then you can say, oh, they made me do it and go to a tribunal and probably win. So, you know, pe- yeah. people are more likely to stay in the role for longer. So the company is more likely to invest in not that person, that role, because it's the same person doing it all the time. And I don't think they've got that level of protection in the state. So, you know, if they are having to gain knowledge, but they want to or have to move roles or they don't know what is coming next, then they're more likely to invest in themselves. Possibly. I don't know. Al is very quiet, which usually means he's either fell asleep, pissed, or he's got something good to see he's just waiting for the right time to see it oh, actually, i was i was actually trading sorry um <laughs> pokemon cards is, it, is that making you our money these days <laughs> yeah man that's right yeah i've just uh, sold her um Uganshu for like you know 1.2 million um poker dot pokemon chips well, we're, um, we're an nft so just a picture yeah, absolutely yeah <laughs> but uh what are we talking about um employment laws now no, we're, we're on the no, same topic. I'm just saying. I, I, I think, think I think you kind of. I was listening. You you kind of swerved over into um, training as well, didn't you? Because you touched on it. Because that was where yeah. I was going to take my argument next to say, right, if you're going to tell a tradesman to pay for his own tools, what the fuck you're not telling him to pay for his own training then as well? And, well and no, I'm guess... saying training is as much a tool as a piece of kit, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the best tool you'll ever have because it's knowledge, yeah. right? And that's that's goes without saying because you can take that wherever you go and it's with you all the time and you can switch between different tools based upon, you know, whatever, right? Whereas the knowledge, you don't typically switch unless you swap careers like I think Christian mentioned about, you know, becoming a VoIP engineer type of thing. So you're all learning a different set of skills. I think for me, the, the, the it's more of a cultural thing. I think if you're going to be willing to... Um, invest in yourself then don't you don't need to do it financially I think you just need to do it through knowledge and learn as much as you can by reading as much as you can and, and learning as much as you can from as many people as you can so one of the things I I've been told I've done quite a lot of throughout my life is I'm not clever at all right but I surround myself with people who are cleverer than me which helps me get to where I need to get to and that's people would say that's actually quite a smart move in itself 
so people in the industry who are either looking to excel at what they do in wi-fi or wireless communications or looking to get a start in it or even switch and move into that kind of career the the only thing i could tell anybody really is to sort of just to learn and just keep learning and keep reading and keep understanding what it is you know that makes my wi-fi work or, or rf work and actually surround yourself with the key players that can you you can learn from the people that are willing to share the knowledge with you whether it's you know blogs whether it's certification knowledge training course instructors and that kind of thing that that for me is where the value is it's not in the tool set i don't think i think tools tools change over time i mean this year you know you could see people probably might switch away from you know a certain particular survey pro tool into another one who knows um it's just the way it goes sometimes so for me i think if anyone worth their salt wants to get on in any career they, they, they just need to just invest in themselves and that's the biggest thing i would say to anybody and it's not the tool it's the person I even think if you the, are a tool the, the key advice i got out of that was surround yourself with people who are more intelligent than you so that's why I'm he comes on this podcast with me and you christian he surrounds yeah well I, I would, I would, people like us i was just going to resign really? and join wi-fi ninjas or something like that <laughs> but it's true though isn't it that's why it's the kind of imposter syndrome it's the whenever you go to a conference like wrpc which is coming up next right it's about you know you sit down and you think to yourself god oh, he's clever he's clever he's clever but they're saying the things they're saying the same thing about you you know they're looking at you and going oh he's clever. yeah they're, they're definitely not looking at me seeing how clever i but that's that's what i think that everyone everyone thinks a little bit i mean unless they don't know you they, they're unsure they think oh he's a clever clogs or you know what i mean that, that's what i think happens quite a lot especially with the unknowns but until you get to speak to people and realize yeah they're thick as pig shit or actually they know what they're talking about that's when you can identify as to whether or not, yeah, he's a guy I need to connect with. He's a guy I need to learn from. And yeah, that, that's the way it, that's the way it should go. So talk about so, WPC boys. Well, I was just going to say, let's go through, through, uh, through a few names to see if you think they're really clever or thick as pig shit. Go on then, let's play that we'll game. Settle. Dan Jones. Thick as pig shit. shit. Yeah. Ryan Dodds. Clever as out. Yeah, he's clever because Ryan sat me out a few times. He's kind of clever. Just a few shit. times. Ooh. He's, he's as clever as pig shit. He's not quite as stiff as pig shit, but he's cleverer than pig shit. <laughs> um, I, I, I take offence to that. You said a few times. Well, yeah, it's not that's, all the that's time. Three. That's at least three Ryan a few times. <laughs> is it? Oh, you might want to requantify that. Well, it's not all the time, is it? It's not all the time. It must be more than three times. I said a few times, not three times. Yeah, but Andrew Andrew McHale, he's a clever guy, definitely a clever guy. Oh, you don't want to you don't want to upset people. This is getting shit now. No, no, no. no, no. Well, speak was, the truth. If, if he was thick as fuck, I would tell him. Uh, <laughs> McSneil is um, he's, he knows his stuff. He's one of the guys I, I I hold up there. He's he's a good guy. Yeah, definitely. He's a guy that actually takes a, the time to learn and understand. A bit it, of a toss then... pot in in general, but like doesn't you know, drink. He's but is a, a vegan as well now, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. drink. So it wouldn't be pig shit, it'd be flower shit or something, wouldn't it? Right, next That's one. Ah, oh, put me on the spot now. Don't want to offend anyone. Nah, give up with this. Oh, this is a crap game. Well, you name something, Ryan. Don't put it all on me. Peter McKenzie. Thick as pig shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I taught him everything oh. he knows. I've, I've heard that. It's written on the bus stop. So, WOPC, are you going? No. Next. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not. No, you, I you haven't, go. you I haven't been to one, have you? 
Hmm? You haven't been to one yet, have you? No. I haven't. A um, couple of reasons for that. Mainly because I'm not willing to fund it myself and previous employers would never fund it. And I had the opportunity to go this year, uh, but I've just got too much on. Um, and since it would be work that was paying, uh, work takes priority. See, that's an interesting point you make about not funding it yourself because employers would look at this and go, I ain't paying for you to go to a conference when the spin on this WLPC is that it's more than just the conference. It's actually a place where you could go and learn and connect and network and actually get so much more out of it than just thinking that it's a conference where you can just sit and drink and sleep all day type of thing. It's not everything you've just described no, is what a conference that. is. Nobody does that at conferences, Al. Nobody goes out the night before, gets absolutely leathered and sleeps through the main conferences during the day, do they? Well, that's probably the reason why that most people don't get the privilege to or the, the permission, sorry, to go to these uh, places, do they? Because that's the misconception, because that's probably what your bosses do when they go away at conferences. They know exactly what it is, but they won't allow you the luxury to do it yourself, which is why you have to self-fund, which is unfair. But however, the WRPC, the only criticism I will say is that they can't actually use that um, as an excuse to say it's it's kind of training. I know they offer training, and I think it's good that they offer training at the boot camps for people who are self-employed who can actually do the training over a weekend in a condensed amount of time. But it's, it's brutal when you fly over there and you're in a different time zone and you've got to kind of learn all of this stuff. It's hard going to do this because I did the DP course um, back in 2017, even though I was already CWNE by then. I just did it again because I wanted to refresh and it was hard going to, you know, in Phoenix, it was like eight hours. Uh, was it Dallas? It might have been Dallas, actually. I can't remember. But anyway, it might be Phoenix or Dallas, but one of the two. But it's brutal. But it, it's it's good that they provide that facility. But the conference itself, all the videos are recorded. Now, yeah. it's it's hard to sort of say that you have to be there in person to learn the material and watch the presentations when they're all recorded. I think the the only real value of being at it is actually to kind of meet the people, interact, get to know them, make acquaintances, and yeah you know, get contact details and actually put a name to a, fa uh, a name to a face, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, see them for who they really are. Um, that's really all you're going to get out of a conference from a social aspect. I don't think technically it's viable personally because everything's I, I recorded. Dis I, dis I disagree with that. I, oh, I got Cisco that live. Well, I've been at Cisco live a few times. I was supposed to go in February, but it got cancelled because of Omicron. Um, but the difference is if I go to a conference and I'm sat there and I'm listening to the content, they've got my time dedicated to doing that at home. I'm, I'm not going to go through and sit and watch a week's worth of Cisco live videos. It's never going to happen. Why? Well, that's you and me are different because I would, you see, I would sit, I would not want to sit there. And yeah, you'd have a job. No, but back, <laughs> back when I, when I did have a job, when I was really interested and focused on Wi-Fi, right. You know, this is like a few weeks ago. No, I'm joking. Right. But, Back in the day, I would sit there in a conference, but I found sitting in the conference too much to, to absorb. Um, I just felt the fact that they're long days and I didn't really have time to unwind. I was constantly on the go till, you know, the conference starts at eight, nine o'clock and then you're there listening to people talk and then there's a break and then you're in the evening, five o'clock, you're doing 
you know, deep dive activities and you're continuing on till about seven, eight o'clock and then you're networking, you're talking to people. It's a lot to take in and you yes. don't really get the time to decom- decompose. It's not the right word I'm using. Decompress. Decompress. <laughs> decompose because I feel dead. And it, and it does, you do suffer from it. And that's the truth. And I think you just get that fatigue. So on the second day, on the third day, you're probably wiped out because you may have arrived early and you've just been constant. Now, when I'm on the flight back home for me, every time I'm coming back from these conferences, I sleep all the way because I'm just battered. And, and I'm, it's like a three-day hangover when I get home. It takes me so long to recover. Yeah, you need but, a week off. But, but the thing is, is everything that I've listened and watched, I don't remember much of it because there was so much to consume. And I don't have the brain where I can absorb. I've only got like a 60K mega RAM in my, in my head. That's how much memory I can save. So I have to rely on the videos being recorded because then I can re, re-watch them and go. But that's re-watch, not watch them fresh. Yeah, but what difference does it make? There's a big difference because you know what to expect. And you, you can sit there and you think, I, I, one hour at Cisco Live one, one year, I sat a three-hour session on Quaz, right? It oh. was honestly the most... Boring three hours of my life. Right, learning about weird red and all that kind of shit. It was uh, the only thing that was keeping me awake was the air conditioning unit above me dropping on the head. I was slightly hungover as well, which helped. Um, but I, I, I thought it'd be interesting. I went there; it wasn't interesting. I know I'm not going to watch that again. Uh, I see. I, I kind of agree with both of you to an extent. So when I go to a conference or somewhere or, or a training thing. It's, I'm there because I've chose to be there for one. Um, so from a WLPC, Cisco Live sort of vendor type thing, um, I would choose courses or topics that were relevant to what I wanted to, to learn. So I wouldn't sit through a presentation on course for three hours. But I don't know, let's say it was... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an authentication geek. Like, I like certificates and stuff like that. But if it was a session on that, I would go because I would enjoy it. So I wouldn't just be sitting there listening to a guy talk. I would actually be sitting there listening and actually thinking, oh, I didn't know about that. And I would make some notes. I would jot them down. And then when I get back home, I might re-watch that session to top up my knowledge on that and anything that I might have li- uh, forgot or... Uh, uh, didn't quite listen to because something happened or whatever distracted and I'd learn a bit more from it. So I'd take a, a, a hybrid approach to what you guys are saying. I think to be honest with you, this is one of the reasons why I really like the 10 talks at WLPC because if they're conducted properly, it's a lot of information in a very short amount of time. And I will watch that in my own time. I'm not going to watch an hour session in my own time, just, I value my free time more than more than that. But if we were going to the conference and they're an hour session, I'd be absolutely fine listening to it. Yeah. Because I'm getting paid to listen to it. That's the other thing. If you're being paid to be there, you treat it as a conference, you treat it as a training session, and it's good that you do. But I've always self-funded my trips to WFPC. I don't think the irony was <laughs> the irony was. The only time I was ever, the first time I think I've been in permanent employment for, I don't know, 15 years was recently. And I had a chance for them to pay. They said they would pay for me to go because I said, I've been there for a while. I talk at these events sometimes. Can I go? And they were like, yeah, we'll expense it. It's not a problem. And then I resigned <laughs> October last year. And they even resigned just before the, the Wi-Fi design day. So they could have expensed that for me. So everything that I've done, I've expensed myself through my own 
business, even though it's a business, it's still my money. I've expensed everything throughout my Wi-Fi career off my own, out my own pocket. I've never had anybody as an employer pay for my training or education when it comes to Wi-Fi. Yeah, but that's your job, regardless though, whether you paid for it or not, right? That's, no, that's your it's job. Not, it's not my job. Fuck off. Well, it is though, it's because you, you had a no, Wi-Fi consultancy business that you... I chose, yeah, but I, here's the thing, I chose... Yeah, but you're, you're the difference. So you're, I don't know what you were pimping yourself out at, probably eight, 900 quid a day, maybe, right? You're, you're commanding the higher, the, the higher day rates, right? HMRC, you're listening, Al. So you're contracting yourself out at 800 quid a day. You're, you're con- you, you know, you're commanding a higher data rate. So therefore, you are a better breed. <laughs> <laughs> you are a, 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 a better engineer, in, in my opinion. If you're going to be asking for more money, you better have the bollocks to back it up, right? And the tools. And the tools. So you've got the tools, you've got the bollocks, and you've got the know-how because you've been going to these presentations, you've spoke at them, you know, you've learned a bit more than someone who maybe is charging a lot less. And... You know, smart people to talk to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, all I'm saying is a personal decision to make those decisions to determine whether or not you want to make those investments. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is you, you've learned, you've learned something from it. You grew as an engineer. You have, whether you've sat through presentations, whether you've spoke to people and thought, oh, that's quite interesting. I've learned something there. You, you have developed knowledge by going to these things and therefore has grew you as an engineer and your business on, on, the, on what you were doing, right? And that's why now you can charge a bit more money. Whereas if someone who just dabbled in Wi-Fi and said, yeah, I, I can configure a couple of controllers for you and, and does it at 300 quid a day is just a sort of bit of a monkey edit, um, then that, that's fine. But you are pimped out with an expert day rate you are treated as a de facto expert and you've learned and you've earned your way to be that. Yeah. But like I say, I'll say two things. One is that's all through my own personal choice, right? I didn't have to outlay all that money to attend conferences, to put myself through my own training, to get my certs, that kind of stuff. I chose to do that in order for me to be a better engineer. It wasn't a money motivational. It wasn't money motivational for me. It was a more of a personal choice that I wanted to emulate my peers who were also, you know, at the, at the top tier, you know, I wanted to be one of those guys, right? I wanted to get CCIE, but I was never committed to get CCIE. Um, I wanted to get that so badly, but I just didn't have the time. I had young children, blah, blah, blah. And, and life takes you in different paths. So I thought CWE would be the way to kind of reach an expert certification. That's why I recognized. And, you know, you, you do that, you achieve it, you pat yourself on the back. The problem you get though, is that you can't choose how much you get paid. And this is the biggest problem I have right now, having learned what I've learned in, say, investments, right? It's all about value and worth. The market dictates my, my day rate. I don't sit there and say, look, I'm a senior You pay me $100 a day or £800 a day. It doesn't work that way. Huge bit of wins. You've got to, you know, I've been in contracts where I've been underpaid, right? And, but you take it because it's the only jobs available right now. Even though you keep looking, you keep one eye on the ground thinking, look, I'm being screwed here, left, right, and center, but it's the only job available that... I, I can have to pay the bills, but I'm looking for the other jobs that might actually pay me what I feel I'm worth, what my value is. What pisses me off most of the time with this whole industry is that we see this in even in our Slack group, right? That you see job spec, job descriptions come in for all of these skill sets and certifications, qualifications, and they come in with a really shitty, measly offer of like 35,000 pounds a year or 250 quid a day. 
yet you look at what they want, you know, whether they want you to provide your own tools or, you know, whether they want you to have all the certifications of the sun or God knows how many experience and all these other extra skills that would probably require investments. It's ridiculous. The market dictates, unfortunately, what the, what the hourly rate is, what the daily rate is, or even what the permanent salary is. Unfortunately, you can't get away from that. I'm just annoyed that someone sits there and says, I will sign off on a budget for X thousands per year and for this skill set when they have no idea what it actually costs and what value that individual will bring to his company to further accelerate their revenue stream based upon the fact that this person's taken the time to achieve all of these goals that they've set themselves in their own life, in their own career to get certified, to become CWME, to actually own their own tool sets, blah, blah, blah. The amount of money that you invest as an individual to get to that level is huge, especially if you're doing it self-employed. You may want to do it through an employment, which is where you two are. So you're, you're having to wait every year effectively for a course. I don't know what the policy is, but you are going to probably wait one, but you know, you probably get one or two courses per year, right? I've not been told otherwise. You've what? I've not been told otherwise. I've set myself some realistic goals. I'm not going to do a course every month because that's not one, that's not possible. Two, it's expensive. And three, I haven't got the attention span to do that. Um, I've set myself a goal of two CWNP certs this year. And Let me give you an example, right? If if, if you said to your employer, like, I want to get my CWNP this year, it's perfectly achievable. I, I, I generally feel you could do professional exams in one year. I did it over nine months, I think. I genuinely think you can do that, right? Uh, um, I, I, I don't. I, I genuinely think you can. I, I haven't got allowed... the attention span to do, to do it. I really don't. like. That's different. That's the person. But I think you've got the technical ability to learn and apply that to an exam to pass, is my opinion, and actually achieve that within 12 months if you, if you wanted to. If you say set yourself up to do it my question isn't about you it's actually about your employer would your would your employer turn around and say to you yes ryan we can help you get there this year and you turn around and said to them well i need to take this course i need to take this course and i need to take this course and it's at that course or whatever courses you need and you say to them it's going to cost cost them let's say twelve thousand dot twelve thousand pounds they're going to turn around and go blown your expenses but or your training budget for this year you're going to have to do it over two or three years what are they going to say to you no i, I I'll be honest, I, I don't think they would. I think you, they would, they would, they would you do think, that. You don't think. So you haven't asked them. But I've never realistic- asked them because I haven't even considered doing that. But given what I know, I, th- I think they would. I, I, I don't, like you've said, it's, it's, I've never had any issues with that. I, I think they would do that. I really do. But, but people but, might assume that. But when it comes down to asking the question, the person who's going to make the decision probably isn't your boss or the person who knows that you're capable of doing this and actually the value you bring to his team. What, it's going to be the guy above, is on, isn't it? My boss is on teams now. Shall I ask him? Ask, say to him, look, there's, there's three exams and three courses that would cost probably in the region of about, let's say, £8,000. If you add on the course and expenses because you'd have to travel, blah, blah, blah. It might cost them £8,000. Would you be getting that in? Would you get that in one year? Would you get it this year if you said, look, I want to go for my CWMP. I've got to take three exams. That means taking three training courses. Would your boss turn around and say, yeah, 8,000 pounds is not a problem to us. Or would he turn around and say, actually, your budget for training is only three. You'd have to take three years in order to get that achieved. I personally think you wouldn't, but I can ask him. I'll ask him right now. 
this is a question I'd ask anybody that's listening, to be fair, because when you're in that situation, your career development is stifled to a degree, I think, because if you want to get on, you might end up having to dip into your own pocket or actually having to leave in order to generate funds in order for you to achieve things that you want to achieve quickly. Or you might take a different route. You might not necessarily go into a training course that's going to cost you two and a half thousand pounds. You might actually pick up a self-study guide, wouldn't you? You could probably do that and actually start to read. But each people, you know, people are different. They learn in different ways. But I'm just saying that if you rely on the fact that you can't self-study because you're not disciplined enough, that you rely on someone like, say, Peter McKenzie to teach you because you want to learn from the best, what then? How long would it take you to achieve something like your, your, your kind of career goals in terms of qualification certifications through an employment rather than through contracting or being self-employed where you'd self-fund it yourself? How long would that take you? Well, I guess to answer that question, if you were self-employed, right, you'd have to make sure you had the cash to do that. So if you had no if you had no work, you got no cash, right? So I'm assuming you're gonna do some con you do some work for a year. All right, let's say you're contracting. Your let's say you con let's say let's say you just get a contract, you're doing five hundred pounds a day. Keep it simple, right? You're doing five hundred pounds a day. You could expense your own courses and training through being a contractor, whereas you would get not get paid, for example, if you were attending a course because you'd have to take that unpaid, right? It's achievable if you did it that way. Because you you're the one who's further in your career you're the one who's making that decision to say this is my goal and this will actually mean that i can be regarded as someone who will always get their foot in the door for an interview versus not guaranteeing the job but at least if i've got a seed with me on my cv it's going to put me at the head of the queue when i'm competing against everybody else who wants that same job but they might have greater experience than me or they might not but look i've got a certification that proves i actually went out there and tried to learn something and better myself and justify the fact that you might not know me at all as a person. You just see a CV and you see, you know, words, but actually I've got a CWR MP. Does that count for something? Hmm. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there is, is the way I kind of view it. So in my situation, I've, I've said a few times, I haven't done wireless network properly for, it's probably about three years now. Um, but I still wanted to carry on learning about wireless because I enjoyed it. So I set myself some goals to, get some of the CWNP exams. So within about, I think it was about 14 months, I got CWNA, CWDP and CWAP. Um, work paid for a course for CWAP because I said I'm not going to learn that myself, so I sat across with Peter virtually. But for AP and DP, it was self-study. Um, work paid for my exams because, you know, the, the next to nothing, but I, I learned it all myself. Um, and I, I felt that, I've, I've done a lot of courses as well. I've done, like, like I said, Recently, last year, I did CCNA. It's virtual. It's online. I can't stand it. I sit there and I will lose attention. I'll be sat on my phone looking at Reddit or, you know, talking to you guys. It's it's just hard work for me. Um, if it's in person, it's, it's different because you've got to sit there and there's somebody grabbing your attention. But online, I can't do it. So what I've asked for this year is I've said I want, uh, you know, a formal training course. I think it's an SD1 course I've asked for. I can't remember now. But I've said the, the, everything else. We've got access to plural sites, so I said I want a week's worth of time, you know, in quarter one and quarter two, that I can sit through and go through self-paced content whilst I'm being paid and you're not using holiday, but you know, learn things for myself without a formal course. And I think that's going to work better for me. I haven't done it yet, so it might not do because you've still got the structured content of plural site, but you've also got your own time to, you know, you sat there and you're on. You don't have to worry about keeping up with others or falling behind. 
Um, so I've kind of, I've kind of gone from a hybrid for a hybrid approach this year because I've learned that I do actually learn better myself. To, um, to be honest, um, I, I agree with you. Um, I used to think that sitting in front of a class in, in a class, um, you you learn more. Uh, I tend not to agree as much now. Um, the last class I'd done was CWNA. It was the most boring thing I've ever been in. I'll be honest. Um, I, I fell asleep. Not gonna lie. Um, it, it genuinely oh, I didn't find it interesting at all. Not unlike you falling asleep though, is it, Ryan? <laughs> no. Um, is, but is that because of the trainer? Yes. More than the content, because technical content is dry as fuck, right? It's yeah. Horrible. No. No. It but was. If, the content, if that if course the, was if the trainer... was taught by Peter or Fernie, right? Or me. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> Um, I, I would have loved that. I would have literally, I would have been sitting at the edge of my seat. I would, I would have enjoyed it, right? But at least when it's self-paced, um, I can do it at my own time. Uh, I found that I don't, I don't study well or retain information well when I'm studying for long periods of time. Like now, at the minute, I've got a little routine going. So I get up at five a.m. Um, I go to gym, I come home. And I sit and I do probably an hour, an hour and a half before I start work. Um, then when it's quiet through work, I'll do some more. And towards the end of the day, I'll do some more. So what I find is I've probably done four, five hours worth of training, but split into sort of more manageable chunks. And that works better for me. And it removes the stress because, you know, if you sat on a virtual course and you need a piss or you need to do the score run, you miss stuff. You do. Every, 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 you paid for, well, your employee or your, your employer or you've paid for something that you've missed and you can't get that back unless you're going to drag the rest of the class behind it. It just doesn't make, I don't think virtual learning makes sense. You might as well just watch pre-recorded content in your own time and, you know, uh, if the Cisco Learning Library, for example, you've still got access to speak to um, experts if you need to, or you, if you need to refer to anyone, you can do. So you still you still got that interaction there to an extent. Plural site, you don't. But I, I, I find it I find it better for myself. You're shaking I, your head, Alan. Because I don't yep. agree with you. I, I think it, it it's in. I, I hate class classes. Like, I'm different. I'm clearly the, cut from a different cloth from everybody here because I'm always the one who's like, "That ah, shit." I don't agree with that because I find it the fact that. Um, actually online calling <clears throat> online training is so much more better for me because i'm in my own surrounding i'm in more relaxed i can go for a coffee i can come back i can leave my headphones on i can still listen i'm not sat in a conference room or i'm sat in a training room trying my hardest to focus on exactly what's being said knowing full well that if i don't make all the notes under the sun i'm probably not going to remember all of this whereas if i'm online I can actually maybe record a few things with a screen record to think this is important because I might forget about this, but I'll record a few minutes of it to remember this important concept. Not all of the training content, because obviously that's not fair, but you get where I'm going. The point is that you can walk away from a training course and not forget everything. And I find that it should be on the individual to choose whether they would prefer to do training or online or in person, as opposed to the training provider saying we only do one or the other. Yeah. I think that's bullshit. I think we live in a world now where it's changed forever. And I think that online content and online training is going to be more popular and prevalent than any type of in-person. I think in-person training is 
a dinosaur archaic. Now, this will be controversial, right? There's a lot of people that listen to this and go, you're talking shit, Alan. I think it's going to die out. I think online interaction is going to be the future. Personally, I don't don't think people will want to pay to go and sit in a course, in a room, in a hotel. Because it's the same price to sit and do it. Exactly. It, It is the same price. So if you wanted to go and do a course, let's say the, the price is £3,000 for the week, right? Still three grand to do it remotely. The difference is you don't have the travel and expense to, to, to accommodate for. Like they're, not, they're, not any, they're not any cheaper. Yeah, because but Alan, be. you've, you've, you've just touched on something there, though, right? And it's pretty much unrelated to what we're talking about. But people learn their own ways, right? You, you said you'll sit there and you'll take notes and you'll worry about whether or not you've taken the right notes and all that kind of stuff. I never take notes. If I take notes, they'll go in a book, they'll go in a cupboard. I will never see them again. You know, I've completely stopped. I've got a pen in my hand now. I don't know why, but take a note. Even, yeah, even at work, like if I'm <laughs> in a meeting, I don't take notes. I don't write anything down. And when I'm doing a training course, I will much. Ra- I'd much rather re- replay that little bit of information than rely on my notes. So that's why I'm think that I think self paced is better for me. Um, but you know, people have got different learning styles. I think there's always going to be an in class option for those people and before the pandemic you could join an online a class online and you'd be connected to a classroom where people are there in person yeah that option should come back and nobody loses anything by it coming back yeah you see the thing with training is is it's 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 a one way it's always command in terms of you sit and listen to me tell you that this is how it works. This is what it does. And you've got to absorb all of that, right? That's it. That's the, it's, it's pretty much what training is these days. Now, good trainers will tell you that a lot of it is to understand your audience, your, your students to, to see, are they getting the best out of the training that you're giving them? Because people learn in many different ways that, you know, there's the people that can listen. There's the people that have to think there's the people that have to do it. And then there's the, the other one, the kinetic learning or whatever it is. And it's all about the cognitive stuff in your, in your head, how it all works. Right. And I think that, I think sometimes the training in class is just focused on one thing because there's not the trainers aren't always good enough to know that say Ryan's struggling here because he's the kind of guy that has to be on the CLI he has to be doing the configs and the commands to actually learn exactly what it's doing and why it's what what it's meaning rather than me talk about the fact that this is how it works and this is the command and the config that you know people the trainer has to be really really good to understand is he getting it because Ryan's going to be really polite and say yeah yeah it's fine yeah it's fine yeah I got it yeah, yeah got but it. And that's it and then who's who's actually benefiting from this but, but when it's on when it's online even the best trainers lose that ability unless people are sat there with the webcams on and the microphones on all the time because you know you know what happens you've been on the courses where you know the the trainer starts talking all webcams are off nobody knows what's going on and it's just a trainer talking until somebody finally realizes that actually i've got no idea what's going on now and that's the question but that's because the trainer's shit because the no, trainer no, is still no, focused no, the trainer's still focused upon delivering as if he was still in a classroom and he's doing it online it doesn't transfer very well he has to sit there and think look i need to reinvigorate the way i teach and the way i train through the media and through the platform on which you, I'm you using. can't you can't do that without feedback from the trainees that's right. You can't. And that helps because that helps develop the trainer as much as developing the trainees. Right. But the problem yeah. you have is right now, I think a lot of trainers still think it's the same. That's what They've I'm been saying. picked up and dropped onto online. I think it's the same format. And that's why get. some trainers are really, really bad. Even online, you think this, that's why people have the concept. It's no different because I'm not, it's no different to what it was when I was in the classroom. So everyone thinks when well, we must well go back to the classroom, it's because the trainers aren't adapting. The trainers aren't using new techniques and new ways of actually teaching. 
it's like um when i did any teaching training on online um and i still do some of it now with with some of the cryptocurrency stuff that i'm in right i know people could literally i could sit there and do training and scribble on the screen so i'm making points and i'm making diagrams and i'm making flows and people go yeah now i get it whereas i some people might just bring up a powerpoint slide and say look at the slide and talk about the slide it's like death by powerpoint people are like well i don't really get it yet yeah, you do an interactive whiteboard with people where you pass over to them to say look draw me what your concept is what your thinking is and tell me what it is that you've interpreted from my teaching oh shit that's wrong that's my fault okay it should be this ah now i get it so you have this interaction this collaboration with like the, the tools that are available to you like we've got a whiteboard right now on this zoom call while we're recording we could interact and draw and scribble and shit like this. This is why I'm saying that the tools to help the online learning much better experience for both the trainee and the trainer exist. But the problem is the trainers still are stuck in the old dinosaur way of teaching as if they were still in the classroom and thinking it can translate, but it can't is what I'm arguing. You know, you know some people we interact with, I think have probably got it right. When, when I did CWAP with Peter, I really enjoyed that. Um, that, that were a brilliant course, but Although I've not been in the course with him, from what I've seen from Turner, you know, he set out his garage with all his, you know, his beams with that different access points and the different tools. And, he, you know, he walks around and he chats to people instead of just, you know, sitting at a desk and talking at them. And I, I think from what I've seen, the, the stuff yeah. he's putting out, that, that looks really good. And he, well, he did our like, ECSE I course. What, and I don't know if you remember, Chris, but what was quite good at the ECSE course that we did with Fernie is you'd be sat there, yeah, you would be going through the slides and you'd be talking about it. And then you'd say, Christian, what do you think? And you, he'd put you on the spot because it kind of like wakes you up and you're like, ah. Uh, Boobies. Aye. Uh, and, and you would say what you would say. And he would interact with you that way. So if no one was going to uh, volunteer answers or questions, he would literally just pick you and ask you. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. And he would tell you the reason why you're right or why you're wrong. Like, I like that. I genuinely it, think he's one of the best trainers I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got he's got an engaging personality which helps. And you know, we've had him on the pod- podcast, and he's been really engaging there. And to be honest with you, after we stopped recording for that podcast, I think we went on for about two hours, didn't we? Just yeah, chatting. we did, uh, mm-hmm. and it it were, it were really good. But it gives a bit of a tour of his little. Uh, I think it's like his extension or his garage or something like that, which is set up specifically for online training. He's put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. yeah, but this is 10 the out of 10 from us. He, he's brilliant. I love Fernie, and and everyone I speak to that's had a training course with Fernie raves about it. And there's not many people who, who say that. And, and one of the things I learned from um, speaking with their care trainers is that the, the students were actually sent a questionnaire, not straight after the course, actually in a week or two, I think they were sent, all attendees of Ekahau were sent a, a questionnaire. So it allows time for the kind of dust to settle to fill out what they thought of the trainer and also asking questions about how they, um, oh, nice bit of Elvis juice. Yeah, it's good. Elvis juice, Elvis juice. Uh-huh. Um, and the idea was that the, the, the questionnaire would help assess the, the trainer as well. You know, did the student actually learn from that trainer? Cause that's the objective at the end, at the end of the day, right. Is to learn and have the knowledge and the skill set. Francois was actually what I was told a while ago. It was the one that was actually the most successful in terms of that feedback rating. So Francois Verges is also an excellent trainer. I've never been taught by him in any courses. My I colleagues speak, have. They, I've, they really I've spoken it. with him. So kudos to for Francois. I mean, I know he does his uh, podcasting with um, Danelle. No, not Danelle. What's his name? Roel. 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 
um was it clear to send isn't it that's it. i just, yeah. just i couldn't get to it and, and you can tell from the way they talk and engage with each other that they're very good at what they do and i think they you know they, they you know francois enjoys teaching Fernay enjoys teaching keith enjoys teaching devin aiken enjoys teaching there are people who you can see enjoy teaching and there are people who teach because it's a job and now the ones unfortunately you need to avoid is the teachers who teach for a living Unfortunately, you have to go this with where it gets a bad, This is where it gets a bad mix, or because you don't have the opportunity to be able to know that. Unless you've heard people say this beforehand, like, oh, you go to a course from Keith, go to a course from Kevin, uh, Devin. Uh, he, he's, he's brilliant. Um, unfortunately, you sign up via a training provider uh, who's going to deliver a course, and it's hit or miss. Like, I remember doing a CCNA course after already having the CCNA doing it again because I was asked to with somebody who was so passionate. Like he could literally talk to you about anything. And he, I actually learned stuff that I never knew. So yeah. even though I had the certification passed it and I was doing this stuff day in, day out, he taught me things that I didn't know. And yeah. I was like that, that for me, I was like brilliant. And I've then done courses from with people who I just, I didn't learn a thing because death by PowerPoint, but you don't get that option. When you do the boss, you don't, you don't get that option to choose your trainer or anything like that. No. But you should. It's, this, it's, is, it's, this is why the world needs to change the way they deliver their training. You need to be able to sort right, be customizable and say, I want Devin Aiken, I want Pete McKenzie, I want Keith Parsons, I want Fernie Minos, right? I want these guys to teach me. Give me the courses that are available for these guys to teach me. Don't sit there and say, here's an Ekahau course, ECSE, and it's on this date, and you, you get on it, and unfortunately you get me <laughs> as an example right that's not fair i think people should choose the trainer that they want to train with as much as the, the the course material as much as they want to because that in itself is a way in which you could kind of almost hit the ground running when you're on that course because you've got everything you wanted and you turn up on that course and go ah oh, fuck it's alan damn you're immediately going to be not interested in that that little light's going to go out and unless alan can really excel and be phenomenally brilliant then you might sit there and have that prejudice against the fact that you're not able to open up and learn more because you've got a closed mind because it's Alan, just as an example, which is why I think it'd be really, really good if you could pick your trainers and allow them to teach you the course that you want them to teach rather than say, I want this course and then go, ah, I've got. I'll, such I'll such see thing. the trainer's rating when you're booking. You don't even have to know it is, you know, to your point, when you do a Cisco course, you get given a survey, you fill it in and you say, how good do you think the trainer is? If you could see the rating and say, you know, this trainer's with a five-star rated trainer, brilliant. Good advisor for trainers. Yeah, I think one of, one of the things I see a lot, and one, I think when I'm doing the um, CCNA, the Y Secure uh, course with a Cisco course, um, there was a guy on that who my colleagues had... The, the guy on that basically was getting trained at the same time as us. A few weeks later, some of my colleagues went on the same course and he was teaching it after being trained a few weeks before. And the people who are, are trained to be a trainer and the people who've got the experience, you know, they've, they've got the scars, they'll sit there and say, oh, Cisco, uh, the exam, you know, the old CCNA exam, for example, wanting RIP V2 and all that kind of stuff, they'll say, nobody ever used this. You don't really give a shit about it, but it's in the exam, so I've got to teach you it. And they're honest about, what you need to know in real life and what you need to know to pass the exam and where they disagree with what the vendor's doing or the, you know, what's in the books and stuff like that. And the experience makes a big difference. I think the experience yeah. of the trainer. I think so. Uh, but, but also as well, I think a lot of the times is that, you know, technical content is dry. 
I've always said this for years and it's very, very difficult to maintain concentration on such a dry subject. And there are many people out there who teach and there are many people who do webinar sessions, but you join them and they're a bit of God, there's not much life because the person who's doing it just doesn't have it. They just don't have that, you know, that, that presence that. All have done it 10 times before. Exactly. And it becomes repetitive. And that's when they need to kind of step away and kind of get that enthusiasm back. Right. This is where you need like, you know, a, a fresh, you know, fresh blood come in, I suppose, and, and sort of like rejuvenate that particular teaching and that program and that webinar topic. Um, but I think that the, the, the individual itself, the trainer is just as important because it takes a special kind of someone to teach. I think it's not easy to teach a technical subject in the way it needs to be taught. I think it's a very, very special skill set. but I feel that when you become a teacher and you, you start instructing in any way, shape or form that if you look at it more as a, a kind of job, it's going to show that you treat it as a job. But if you show as a case of, I want you to get better, I want to help you further your career. I want you to go out this door once it's finished. And I want you to be the best you can possibly be because I've helped you. When you can see that in instructors who can actually provide that, then they're the kind of ones that you want to just wrap up and keep forever because they're the ones that are worth their weight in gold. And it's very, very difficult to find those individuals unless you know them. And it's always with referrals, word of mouth, isn't it? That you, that you hear all of this, but it's difficult to teach a technical subject. It really is. It takes a special kind of someone. So, someone who can make it fun. That's, that's the other thing. Like Fernie makes it really fun. You know, Cisco's top rated speaker is Stephen. Is it Heinzius? Yeah. He, he, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right, He's yeah. just a seven, seven ways to fail as wireless engineer. Yeah. It, People love it. You know, it's basic stuff. It's but it's important subjects is getting across in a really simple way. And he's one of Cisco's top rated speakers. And you know, I've seen his content in person four or five times. I'm gonna see it again just because it's a good laugh and he always adds new quips in and stuff like that. Um, but then you get people who, you know, the the, the probably the, the most intelligent people in the world at their subject and they're experts at it, but they can't portray it in a way that's relevant to people and people in the jobs and what people want the problem is i think that some trainers have to teach in a certain way because that's the way they've got to do it whereas if they were allowed time to create their own not recreate the content but create the way in which they want to teach it by using different sets of tools that they've got access to or even in a way that they want to use different analogies or think well, actually that's better off if i teach it at the end rather than at the beginning for xyz reasons i think if if trainers were given that luxury then I think that would also help them and also help the students that are learning as opposed to saying, here's a syllabus, you've got to teach it this way. The reason why we want you to teach it this way is because it helps them. But but I don't always, maybe I'm just rebellious at heart. I'm just one of these guys who's like, no, 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 do it my way or the highway time type of thing sometimes. But I always have the student's best interests at heart here versus I'm not out to make money. I'm not out to treat this as a job. I'm actually here to try and help someone excel, You know, really learn what they need to learn and get the best out of it and go, that, that helped me because a lot of the time I find that a trainer who goes beyond the allocated time, oh shit, we're running behind. It's because there's been a lot of engagement. There's been a lot of Q&A. I think those are the best trainers. The ones that are saying, oh, we finished early. Off you go. I think to myself, why have we finished early? Because no one engaged. No one wanted to do Q&A because they just wanted to get out the fucking door. Well, finishing, finishing early on day five is always good. As long as you've worked harder on the previous four. I mean, I mean just like on day technical... one, day two, day three as well. I'm talking about well. <laughs> starting later. Just like some <laughs> technical trainer now. I'm now bored to death, and I'm going to go. 
that's a good time to end this particular podcast, I think, boys. It's been a good and one. on that yeah. bombshell. Thanks for joining, Dan. Yeah, Dan, where are you, Dan? Uh, yeah. 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 Our landlord. Sure, maybe, maybe we should put a job advert out for a new landlord. I think he's... Um, I thought he did a pretty good job. What are we talking about? You've well, been nodding off. You messed up the intro. You didn't ask yeah. us what we were drinking. Now you've decided to leave because it's you're a bored. learning curve, isn't it? But Dan, if you are listening, <laughs> you're choking on your mac and cheese, he's prick. <laughs> <laughs>